been asked to remind you that next Sunday is Blue Jeans Sunday. And that's why I wore blue jeans today, so that you'd, so that you'd put two and two together. Now, I could tell you, I wish that I also had some ice cream right now, so that I could remind you that next Sunday is also our ice cream social. And that's all I'm going to say, because there's posters everywhere that will tell you everything you need to know, and it's in your bulletin, and if I start doing what that's doing, then one of us is irrelevant at that point. So I'm going to trust that you can get this information, but I want you to know this. Everybody's invited to the ice cream social. Even if you're our guest today, we want you to be there with us. And everybody's invited to participate in Blue Jeans Sunday next Sunday. We've had, we've, we've had some good stuff happening lately. Uh, there's been a lot of great activity here. You have to know that God is blessing us in so many ways, and those blessings aren't just being held here but we're starting to share those with others and that's how that's how God intends it he blesses us to the point that it overflows and then we share it with others and um, and I see the spirit of God in this church family in so many ways not just in the creativity not just in the response to opportunities but also in the way that we help each other out and in the way that we show our care and concern for one another and to the world around us Last week was a good reminder. Dan Bouchel was here, and he preached a sermon that, that many of you told me. You responded to him. You responded to me. You were telling one another that that message is exactly what we needed to hear. That it reminded us that the church has always been about people. That God's mission, the gospel, has always been about reaching people, not building an institution. That's so true. And we're those people as well who are changed by the gospel and you hear sermons like this and you go through those studies and you see all the opportunities before us and it's easy to ask well okay we know all this now let's do something but where do we begin where do we get started and you're going to look to people like me and you're going to look to other church leaders and you're going to say, show us where to get started. Where do we begin? Well, I'm going to make my contribution to that question this morning. Because I want to be honest, first of all, that when we talk about mission, especially when we talk about evangelism, sometimes we turn that into an institutional methodology rather than having it focus on people. And I don't think that's what evangelism's all about. I, I, I don't think that evangelism has to be that difficult or that complicated. Where then do we begin? Well, we begin where we've always begun, with the teaching of Christ. And one of the things that Dan had us do on that Saturday, with there was about 20 or so of us in that room, and, and, and he had us read Matthew six, or 28, verse 16, through 20 very carefully and as we were reading that carefully we were asking ourselves what what does this mean how will we respond to this how will we obey and those of you the men who were at the men's retreat earlier this year you'll remember that same process of bible reading where we read it very slowly and carefully and we discover what it means for us and then we get very clear about how we're going to obey it 
I think we ought to do the same thing with this text. Because this verse is so familiar to us, it even has a shorthand name. The Great Commission. I get nervous when verses get those sort of shorthand names. Because it usually means that we can forget what the verse says and just call it the Great Commission. And we assume that we all know what we're talking about. We'll find ourselves talking about things we need to do. We need to do more of that. Why? Well, you know, Great Commission. Oh, yeah, Great Commission. People like that Great Commission. That's good stuff, that Great Commission. What does it mean? I don't know, but it sounds good. I know it's important. It's up there. We need to read carefully. I mean, what makes the Great Commission so great? And what's a commission anyway? Listen to these words of Jesus, the risen Lord. And he's speaking to his 11 disciples who've witnessed the crucifixion. And they've heard of the resurrection. But they're still stunned. And they're still wondering what they do next. They themselves may be asking the question, where do we begin? What do we do next? Before we read this, would you pray with me? Father, I ask that we listen to your word very attentively. I pray that you'll be with me as the reader and as the preacher of this word this morning. I pray that you'll be with this congregation, be with all of us as the hearers of this word. And I pray that you would make it very clear to all of us how we may be doers of this word. Father, would you bless this reading and hearing of your word. We ask in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. i got a few observations that I want to share with you as you think about what this means and how we are going to obey this word from our Lord. First of all, where do we begin? The mission begins in worship. Did you notice that? That when they find Jesus on the mountaintop, what's their first response? They worship. When's the last time that you thought about the Great Commission having anything to do with worship? I think our tendency is to see worship as what the insiders get to do. This is our time. We're the Christians. We're the believers. We're the disciples of Christ. We're, we're his followers. We get to worship. Now, if you want the admission to worship, you've got to go through evangelism. Evangelism, the Great Commission, mission work, that's all for the outsiders. And yet right here in this text, worship and mission live together. So closely embedded with one another that you can't pull them apart. The mission begins in worship. Now what that means for you and I is, by being here today, 
you've just taken a step into the mission. This worship service today is not just for your encouragement, although it is for your encouragement. This worship service today is not simply for you to keep a commitment, though we do keep a commitment in being here. This worship service today is certainly not to get God off your back for another week. This worship service today is where we come into the presence of Jesus Christ and he turns us inside out and sends us out in mission. You and I encounter the gospel. We get evangelized in here. You may be saying, wait, I've already been evangelized. I already heard the the gospel and I followed the five steps. I got baptized. Yeah, you and I get evangelized every time the gospel becomes a reality in our lives all over again. Being baptized is just the beginning. Every time you see the gospel at work, every time you have reason to believe in the gospel all over again, you've been evangelized. Every time we come on the Lord's day, I mean, what did you just experience in the Lord's Supper? Did you experience, and you may not have used these words in your own mind, but did you experience a sacrament that's supposed to uh, give you a booster shot of forgiveness this week? If so, I'd like to invite you to a much better meaning of the communion. That that communion, you just participated in a very real way. In the gospel event, the giving of Christ for the redemption of sins, the hope of resurrection, you took that into your body, the body of Christ. You welcomed that into your life, the blood of Christ. You're participating in the gospel. Now, if you seriously think about what we've just done How can you leave here today and just go back to an ordinary life? The mission begins in worship. Every Lord's Day is a special day for participating in that gospel. When we get together, we are formed and shaped by by His words, by His teaching. You know, let me put it like this, because sometimes, uh, you know, we compartmentalize worship. And after the, the, the Lord's Supper, the offering is separate. Oh, yeah, it's not just separate, it's separate and apart. I mean, you've seen things that are separate, but are they apart? I mean, if it's apart, then it's really separate. That's, the, that's how I make that out to be. But not only is the offering, and listen, we say that because we want people to remember the communion is about the body and the blood, and it's not about putting money in a plate. But, uh, but everything else then after that often becomes separate, including this sermon. This is kind of the optional part. I mean, you know, if you, if, if you, all of you here, and you need to tell those who aren't here right now, or maybe they were here for the communion and skipped out. I mean, people always ask me how that makes me feel. I'm okay with that, you know. I mean, that's up to, but I'll tell you this, you can tell them that you're the advanced students. You're the super Christians because you stayed for this. So you get, you get extra credit. No, don't. That's not true. But yeah, tell them that. That would be good. 
Folks, the whole point of the preaching, of the teaching, whether it's me, whether it's anybody else, is that we believe that words shape us into disciples. Let me me put it like this. Has somebody said something to you this week that you've had a hard time getting over? I bet I bet I could I bet I could come up with a few of you if I just I how do I know that because I've got some kind of super prophet power right you know no I just know life and probably this week some of you have experienced somebody who said something to you and it may have given you a bad day it may have given you a good day it may have it may have given you cause to think but that word has been with you all week and you have taken stock and taken inventory of what's going on in your world. Now, if that's true of the casual comments that come about in everyday conversations, how much more true should that be of God's Word? That when you and I hear God's Word, we've got to ask ourselves, what does this mean? And that's why I'm nervous to take any bit of God's Word and just shorthand it down and just say, Great Commission, because otherwise I could just get up here and say, Great Commission. Everybody say, It's a good thing. Let's go home. All right. You know, dinner's waiting. That sounds really good, but guess what? We got some shaping to do. We got to get fit here. <clears throat> the mission begins in worship. And the reason why God, God's Word has that shaping ab- ability is because the authority begins with God. Did you, did you notice that in this passage that we read? There's an interesting statement before Jesus starts talking about what they need to do and where they need to go and how they need to baptize and teach. The first thing he says is a word about authority. Now they should, does he really have to say that? They saw him crucified. Now they witness him raised. Isn't that just sort of implied Maybe, maybe not. Some of them doubted, the Scripture says. He wants them to understand the meaning of this. That This isn't just the little twist that makes this a happy story. This isn't just the, the twist that gives us a happy ending. And they all live happily ever after. Now, he wants them to understand that something important has been done that changes all things. And he's saying authority has been invested in me by God. The resurrection is God granting authority to me. So what they're going to do, they're going to do in the name of Christ. And there's all sorts of good things they could do. But they're going to act and they're going to to do this mission and they're going to baptize and they're going to teach and it's all going to be in the name of Christ. And the reason why it's going to be in the name of Christ rather than any other name or the name of some other official is because Christ is the one who's been given the authority by God. You and I don't necessarily experience that all the time the way people have in ancient times or even in, our, in, in, in other cultures. We experience it some uh, in our culture. I remember movies they used to, you know, uh, I don't know that this ever happens in law enforcement. Those of you who can can tell me. But there's always some moment where, you know, someone comes up and some police officer or something, they go, halt, in the name of the law. Like, in the name of the law is going to make a criminal stop better than anything else. I, but, you know, when we see badges, when we see credentials, we understand 
that those things represent a higher authority. So the one who's acting on behalf of that authority is acting in the name of that authority. We begin with this authority that's been given not to us, but given to Christ. And we live under that authority. And that's where our, this mission begins. Here's why that matters. I had a word spoken to me this week that I've been thinking about all week. I was talking about uh, helping out another church with some good things that they were doing for a friend of mine. And I said, I want to make sure that what I intend to do is okay with you. I want to make sure that what I intend to do is not going to be a problem for you and your congregation. And I love what the man said to me. He said, oh, hey. He said, don't apologize for doing good. You know, sometimes we think we've got to get everybody to buy in or we've got to get everybody to accept what we're doing. Sometimes we're very careful and cautious. But when you've been given authority to act in the name of Christ, you don't need to apologize for that. You don't need to excuse or explain that. Because all authority has been given to Christ by God, the Creator and Sustainer. When it comes to mission, when it comes to sharing the good news, when it comes to speaking to others or inviting others to come to this time of worship, you do not need my permission. You do not need the permission of anyone else here because you have been given authority to act by Jesus Christ. You already have that authority. And I tell you, I, I want this to be the sort of place that... Um, that we're never worried about bringing our friends or our family or guests or people we meet. I never want us to worry about bringing them to worship, to the presence of Christ. Because you've been given that authority and, and also because you're going to have to make disciples. And Now, let me, let me get this clear. Bringing people to church with you is not necessarily the same as making disciples, but it could be part of the process. But making disciples begins wherever we go and with those we know. That's in the text too. Jesus tells them to make disciples. That's the command. Make disciples as you go, wherever you go. There, there's all sorts of different ways of translating that. But too often the word go is translated as the command. And I don't think it's bad to think that God might be sending us somewhere that you may feel as many members of this congregation have that they are called to go to another nation or they're called to go to an, another congregation or another part of the United States or they're, they're called to go to school, they're called to train. That happens. That does happen. But I don't want us to get into this thinking that, that those who are called are somehow exceptional or unique or different than those of us who aren't. Because the command is not to go. And if you didn't hear the call to go, well then guess what? You get to be a spectator. That's not how it works. Sometimes I think we have this, um, this price is right view of evangelism and missions, you know, that we're all just sitting out here in the audience and we're all excited. And then all of a sudden, God says, come on down. 
we're going to send you to Africa. Yay! And all the rest of us are just out there, and we're just ready to help out the, the person who's been called. You know? How much are you going to have to raise to go to Africa? And then we're all shouting out here with our opinions. Uh, more, higher, higher. You know? That's not how it works. That's price is right. That's not the kingdom. You're going to go places today. You are. Unless you really want to stay here all day. But the AC is going to kick out around 1.30 and you don't, you don't want to be hanging around then. You know? But you might have work to do up here, though. I don't know. But you're going to go places. You're going to go places this week, maybe. And there's going to be people that you know. People you need to know. People you're going to get to know for the first time. That's the beginning of disciple-making. Here's the thing. As wonderful as worship is, we don't get to stay on the mountain. Did you notice that in the text? They don't get to stay on the mountain. They come to the mountain to meet Jesus, but they don't get to stay on the mountain. You know, sometimes we plan special events or we go away on special events. We have some really great activities. We, we go to camps or we go on mission trips or, or we, uh, you know, we get together and we do some special project. And we always say, why can't it always be like this? Because if it was always like this, we wouldn't go to those things. Think about it. It's not supposed to always be the mountain. Sometimes you have to get back into the daily grind, right, Cade? That's Cade's expression, the daily grind. And, and, sometimes, and, and that's, that's where you and I live. But don't think that that's not the mission field. Don't think that you're somehow, you've got your, your setting in the off position. Eh, one day I won't have to do all this, and then I can go out and I can do mission work all the time, all the time. But in the meanwhile, I've got to work. Hey, God may have you exactly where he wants you so that you can make disciples. Do you, do you understand that you, all of you out here, are able to access people that people like me cannot access? Do, do, you, do you understand this? And I don't ever want you to apologize because you're not a full-time minister or a full-time missionary or you didn't go to a Bible school. And some of you, by, by virtue of the fact that, that, that you're women, a different gender, you will be able to talk to people that I cannot talk to. Some of our women, they go, they share the gospel in jail. You'll know who they are. They come here in the morning and they say, I just got out of jail. They're teaching the gospel. That's not easy for a guy like me to do. Because we need women who can teach and go there. I love it that our college students are reaching out over here on campus. I had to be a poor substitute this week at Block Party. And I'm inviting people to the catfish fry. And I'm trying to be that older person who takes younger people seriously. But I also know that it's going to get weird after a while if I keep inviting, you know, people from sororities to come to the... It's like, I don't want to be the one doing this. I can talk to the frats, but talking to the, that's uncomfortable, and rightly so. But you see, that's the thing. God has so many of us equipped and prepared. Don't think that you're somehow in the off position or you can't do something because you know, you're not a Bible-educated uh, 45-year-old man who can preach. 
I wasn't talking about myself because I'm not 45, okay? I'm older than that. I know it. Actually, where I get that number is because when you ask churches, when they're looking to hire people, those of you who are going through Bible college need to remember this. There comes this time where people say, you know, well, who are you looking for? Oh, we're looking for someone between the ages of 35 and 45 who, you know, got some kids and had about 10 years of experience preaching. That kept me out of a lot of job searches until I finally realized, well, they wouldn't hire Jesus either. So was that blasphemous or just not funny? Anyway, the, uh, you can't stay on the mountain, folks, but you are in the mission field, whoever you are. And when it comes to making disciples, how do we begin? What's it all mean? Well, one of the things I want you to know is this. We cannot make disciples until we are disciples. That's the one prerequisite. And not just are disciples, but you cannot make disciples if you are not being a disciple yourself. See, we need a form of that verb that's ongoing. Because becoming a disciple is not like joining some club for membership. Man, those of you who remember before music was digital, you'll remember the Columbia House Record Club. Were you ever a member of that, Rick? You know, the Columbia? Yeah. And then you realize, wait, there, what's this? I got ABBA. I didn't ask for ABBA. And you're like, you know, what do I do with this? And so you can't just throw it away. You got to send it back because you didn't check the box, you know. But you're a member, see. You're a member. Being a disciple is not like that. It's not like being a member. Being a disciple is a way of life. It begins with baptism. Jesus says, you make disciples and you baptize them. That's where it begins. And where it ends is obedience. And then you teach them to obey. Now let me ask you, how many of you disciples out there have learned everything you need for obedience? If you say, you know, if anybody raises their hand and says, oh, I think I have, I've got it all figured out, you know, okay, then when you need to come to the study of 1 John tonight because that's where in 1 John he says anyone who says that they don't sin uh, makes God into a liar, all right? No, it is an ongoing process. It's a lifelong process. We do grow, but we learn obedience. We're learning what Jesus teaches us. And God's Word isn't the sort of thing that we can just study for three years, pass a test, and then we're good. It's something that we're constantly learning and growing in. And I say that also to say to many of you, don't be so hard on yourself. I can't be an evangelist. I don't know everything there is to know about God's Word. I bet you know more than the person you're talking to. And besides, it's not about head knowledge. It's about are you living it? It's about how does it show up in your life. Discipleship begins with baptism. It ends in obedience. So really the question to ask is not where do we begin, but when do we begin? Your discipleship begins at your baptism. That moment where you die to an undiscipled life. That moment where you die to sin. That moment where you walk away and go away from a life that doesn't follow Christ. And then the first step into the life of discipleship, it's a a slippery step because it's wet. You're baptized. It's a birth. Born anew. Born from above, Jesus says in John's Gospel. That means that 
discipleship and evangelism, it begins today. If you've been baptized, when do you begin? It begins today. It may have begun a long time ago, but you know what? Today's the day we have. It's not the past, not the future, it's now. So it begins today. Just look at every day that way. It begins today. And it ends. You're never finished. Not until the end of the age. Did you notice that in the scripture? Go and make disciples. We could have ended there, but he explains it. You baptize them, you teach them. Okay, we got it. We'll do this. Please don't be angry at us if we don't do it very well. He doesn't say he's going to be angry at us. He says, you're going to go do this, but guess what? You're not going alone. He says, I'm with you. When are you going to be with us? Always. So even though we leave the mountaintop of worship, even though we leave the special moment of worship in the presence of Christ, His presence doesn't leave us. You've got to leave the mountain, but Christ doesn't leave you. He's with us to the end. And the end of the age ends with Christ. That means He's in charge. And sometimes we work ourselves up with some anxious scenarios about how everything's going to end. Right now, you and I are being worked up in this nation about things that are just going to fall apart and it's not going to be any good unless everybody does something. And it gets everybody stirred up. And we feel so anxious and you probably even feel overwhelmed. Like you can't do enough. And honestly, we begin to fear that nobody's going to do anything and it's just going to get worse. Stop worrying. Because Christ said that he has all authority. And there's no election for that position. It's been given to Christ by God. And he will determine the end of the age. God will determine the end of the age. And between now and then, Christ will be with us always. So I'm going to stop right here because here's what I know. I know that you've got some great work to do. I know that in the name of Christ, you're going to meet somebody today, maybe this week, and you're going to go out into God's mission. Because you and I are not members of the church. Did you catch that? I say things like that to get you to pay attention, okay? You and I are not members of the church. By the way, I still stand by that. That wasn't just to ring your bell. That was... We're members of the body of Christ. If you're a member, you're like that Columbia House Record member. You can always leave after you get your six, eight tracks. Or... You and I are members of the body of Christ. Like members of a body, the parts of a body. I thank God that my body parts don't go on vacation. Sometimes my brain does. Or it just goes to sleep. You and I are not, I know you're in invitation, get ready to stand mode, so you're not really paying attention, but that's okay, I want you to hear this. <laughs> you and I are not members, we're the church. And the church doesn't have a mission. I told you, I say things like this so you'll pay attention. This church does not have a mission. 
God's mission to this world, with all authority invested in Christ, God's mission has a church. And may God help us that we are that church. So we've all got some work to do. As we stand and sing this song, you can ask the elders to pray with you, or your discipleship may begin today with baptism. Let's stand. Let's sing.